0: Welcome back to the DC3 cast. I'm Brian. With me, as always, is Vince. Zach is still on paternity leave. Uh, Congratulations to Zach and Maddie. They had a beautiful baby girl. And um, I am eagerly anticipating Zach's return, but he is still out on paternity leave. So Vincey and I are here to go through this week's comics with you. And first up, we have Batman number 108, written by James Tynan IV and illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. No Vince, we read a fair amount of comics for this show, and sometimes I tend to forget, at least initially, what happened in the issue before. I never go back and read my notes before I start reading, you know. Um, And for like a solid three pages, I thought that Jim Gordon was the cop that was being held (laughs) and not Matches Malone, because Jimenez draws Matches Malone looking just like Jim Gordon. Yeah. I was very confused. And I have to think that's that's kind of intentional. I'm sure it's kind of intentional, but th- it seemed really like this was the most Jim Gordon I feel like uh, matches has ever looked. For sure, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, aside from that, this issue had some good stuff in it. I um, I appreciated seeing the reveal of who Peacekeeper 1 is. That was a great, yes, that was a great bit from
1: Future State and then that Infinite Frontier one shot or zero issue, I guess, and then yeah. uh, circling back around.
0: Yeah, I that was really handled well. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think when we were reading that, both of us, or maybe it was me and Zach, somebody had said, like, we felt like for sure we knew who Peacekeeper 1 was because they were treating him like a character we should care about. Yeah, and it turns out we didn't know who it was, but we now we do know, and it makes sense. I thought I thought that was a really really well done reveal. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it 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 ends up be
1: it ends up being somebody I surprisingly care about. Not care as in like I'm not all that sympathetic to them, even though they like the book doesn't really set it set it up for you to be too sympathetic with this person, but um invested in as far as like oh this is a character that that played a substantial role in that infinite frontier kickoff right yes
0: yeah and there's an interesting connection there like between um i've already forgotten the character's name but uh him and jim gordon and and uh you know so it's it's a nice way of making gotham continue to feel interconnected um without feeling like Without doing the Star Wars thing where everybody is somebody's uncle or neighbor or whatever. This this connected it to some important Gotham stuff, but didn't make it feel like it was straining too hard to do that. Yeah. Now, we also get a, a new character introduced here called Miracle Molly, and she is a member of the Unsanity Collective, and she spends some time with matches, but she knows right away that it's Batman which is an interesting Like, um, I, I think that's something that, that doesn't get done enough in Batman comics like people should be not, not that everyone should know that Bruce Wayne is Batman but the smarter people should be able to figure something out now and then about this mm-hmm. so I thought that was a nice touch it didn't feel too overplayed and there was some interesting stuff between Molly and Bruce as they're talking about just like sort of what the responsibility of of people are, and sort of like, you know, there's always this question, we just got in Nightwing recently, of could Bruce Wayne have done more good as Bruce Wayne than he could have as Batman? This book doesn't ask that question. It asks, does Batman's past prevent him from being the best Batman he can be? And I feel like that's not a a radical restating of the question, but it's interesting enough to get us talking about something a little bit different than we would normally talk about in a bat book.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's really well said. I, I think you summarized it there better than the book itself actually presents it to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> like I, I, maybe this is just me being tired or something, but I kind of had trouble figuring out what point Miracle Molly was trying to make about Batman. It seemed a little circular, especially with the stuff that was like, uh, uh, masks are more honest than prosthetics. And okay. But she <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause I'm like, well, you're the prosthetic lady. So like, <laughs> <laughs> like, are you saying that your your thing is bullshit and and, and Batman is the better thing? And then you I, – I don't know. It didn't uh, – to, to me, too much of that dialogue was kind of like uh, circular and kind of w- went up its own butt a little bit. Um, I don't
0: think you're wrong about that. Um,
1: yeah, but but what I'll say is the, the way that you just explained it, if that's what they're going for, I think that's a strong idea. Like I, I like what you said. Yeah. Um, just while I was reading it, I was like, I don't know, I don't, you know, you you did it. what I'm saying is you did a better job of selling it
0: than the the issue did. Um, well, I hope I, I hope that that's just like so. Here's here's the line that sort of sparked that in me. So she says. Um, But now you're smart enough to see that it's not just the criminals, right? This world makes cowards of all of us too afraid to go down uncharted paths towards salvation. Do you ever think how much stronger you could be if you let your past go? Could that version of Batman actually save Gotham City? So, like, she's talking about how she, like, this whole thing with the Unsanity Collective is that they are mind-wiped. And, like, basically they start fresh without all of the... Baggage that came with them before, so I think what she's basically saying to Batman is like your ideas are not bad, you're just you're held down by by everything you've lived through so far, um, which again is just an interesting idea, um, and sort of I, I think somewhat follows up on like what Grant Morrison did when in Batman and Robin when Dick Grayson was Batman, where there were a lot of subtle differences between. Bruce Batman and Dick Batman but one of them was that Dick wasn't so broken and so wasn't he was able to approach situations in a less like over the top instantly going zero to 60 mindset than Bruce does right and so I think that that kind of answers the question like I think yes maybe a Batman with fewer memories could, could be better for Gotham
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that idea. Uh, any um, other notes from the, the main part of this issue?
1: I just like the whole, um, <clears throat> visual vibe of Miracle Molly and the, the unsanity collective. Like I think it's, it's some pretty, uh, eye catching design work. Um, yeah, I think Jimenez is knocking it out of the park, as per usual. It made me... It made me like this bit more than I probably should have based on how kind of obtuse I found it. Um, Like, I definitely... I'm I'm definitely down for more of this, even if I had to slog through some dialogue that I didn't necessarily (laughs) care for. So I think that's... And, you know like James Tynion has been doing such strong work that like, if I thought that this was a bit of a misstep, it doesn't sour me on his run at all. I just, I just think like, I don't know what, well, like I already said, like the way that you described it is so much more clear and understandable than the, this dialogue made it seem. So,
0: I mean, I, I think that this sort of goes back to one of the criticisms that we had of Tynion, a couple of years ago, which was that sometimes he would beat around the bush instead of just getting to the point with what he was trying Mm to write. And I think this definitely falls into that more than other stuff he's written recently has. Um, But hopefully this is just a... uh, This is also... I feel like this, this issue did a lot of heavy lifting to sort of give us an understanding of who the unsanity collective are and what their goals are. And whenever you have to basically like read a mission statement in a comic it's a, it always winds up being worse than you think it should be. Yeah. So yep. I'm not overly concerned. Um, but this issue also is a backup issue. It's another ghost killer backup. Uh, is that right? Ghost. That sounds wrong. Ghost killer. Ghost maker. Ghost maker. Thank you. Ghost,
1: ghost face killer is something. Yes. Else. Ghost face
0: killer is. Remember the, uh, the crazy, plan, obviously. crazy eyes killer. <laughs> You're my Caucasian. <laughs> um, you can't say that. <laughs> I'm quoting Larry David. It's fine. Um, so, uh, I could break off one of Crazy Eye's rap. Yeah, I'm not, not yep. going to do that. Uh, That's <laughs> not in your eye. Was it? No, nothing. <laughs> so, uh, this was written by James Tyne in the fourth, illustrated by Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. My note for this one was that this was not nearly as much fun as the last uh, Ghostmaker backup. But I, I, I still kind of liked it. I just feel like that first one was so playful and such a, like, bombastic artistic display that this one just feels a little bit more subdued, and it spent a little bit too much time away from Ghostmaker for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. I kind of thought the same thing, which I was surprised at. Um, but I think the art is still really stellar, eye-catching stuff, yeah um, I, I love, love, love the the manga esque style, and it it really goes for it. So, um, so I found it, I found it pretty easy to read, uh, visually, even if, like you said, it was a, a little more subdued. And, uh, uh, again, like there's a there are a lot of words.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm not trying to read here, but, um. There were a lot of words, and and I I kind of I especially for this backup, I'm
0: here for the nutty art more than anything. I mean, com- compare, like we're gonna talk about Green Lantern in a few minutes. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of words in Green Lantern, but all those words are are important to the plot in a way that they don't feel. It doesn't feel wordy, for it, sure, because all those words sort of have a purpose, whereas. These words, in a lot of ways, just felt like you're telling this story of this one assassin who we may never see again, and like sixty percent of the issue is this assassin's story and while it's kind of interesting, to me, it's not interesting enough to take up as much space as it took up. Mm-hmm. so it was fine it just wasn't it wasn't what I was hoping for out of this out of this backup.
1: Yeah. It's great to look at.
0: But... Yes. Yes. Um and I hope that we see I mean I, I love that we're seeing more backups, but I also like that we're seeing some new talent on some of these backups. So I hope that uh Lopez Ortiz winds up doing more at DC sooner than later. Hear here. Yeah. Well, let's bring let's hop over to crime syndicate number three, written by Andy Schmidt, illustrated by Kieran McEwen. Uh Vince, you start us off with this one. What'd you think of this issue?
1: Um, I think the joke has kind of worn off on me <laughs> um I think I think we expressed that there were some diminishing returns on the second issue mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, and I think that's doubly true for the third issue now um to the point where I I think I just just got enough of it um with these three and I think, this issue was particularly less funny uh, compared to the first two. And I think the art was a little, I hate to say it, a little sloppier than the first two. Um, there's some nut faces in this one, <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and it's, it's, it's trying to have fun, but it's less fun than... Ooh, it feels less fun than that first issue. It feels more like the kind of like obviously not as as dirty or violent as the boys or or, or something like that. But but as cynical and um, yeah, just didn't have as much fun with this one as I did with the first two issues. And I think that that's a portent of where the rest of this series is going because I think it's more about what I had the patience for versus uh versus the comic itself. You know, I think I, I think I had patience for about three issues of this. <laughs> sure. sure. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean absolutely. As soon as this issue started, I kind of had the same thought, like, oh God, there's still three more issues of this to get through. <laughs> um but I have to say I enjoy I think I enjoyed the actual issue more than I had the first two issues. Um uh, If only because I feel like this issue actually did something. Like, a lot of those other issues were people sitting around talking about doing stuff. This one, they actually did stuff. I'm not saying I love this issue or that it was anything spectacular. I just felt like there was maybe a little bit more um, just get up and go to it. I don't know. I just, I felt like there was, you know, even though... I don't think that any of this was like the most brilliant uh, you know action sequences ever devised or anything. But there was some, you know, relatively fun, clever stuff going on in the fight sequences. And it just gave it gave the book a little bit more of a dynamic feel. Like one of my complaints with the first I think it was the second issue specifically, was that it just felt like we were we were we were seeing the characters find out about each other through hearing about each other, as opposed to seeing them do stuff. Mm-hmm. And this issue, at least they did some stuff. I'm still done with it. I still don't really need any more of this. And again, it's just, it's not for me. This just isn't my type of comic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there is a backup as well. Again, written by Schmidt, and illustrated by Brian Hitch, the Donna Troy backup. And I guess it was fine? It was
1: fine. It's But it's the same thing. That we were saying about, like how kind of lazy the Batman one was, where it's just like every one of these is going to end up with them killing the a important
0: good guy. person. Yeah,
1: yeah, the important person, and oh, and oh man, that's really twisted that they did that. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, like it's I, it's telling the same story three times now, just with a different hero in the or villain, I guess in the in the in the spotlight right Um, again it's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it it's
0: just repetitive yeah yeah I agree with that Um, all right well uh, let's do this let's take an early break because I think we're gonna have a lot to say about Green Lantern and so um, let's take a break before we get there we'll return we talk about Green Lantern Suicide Squad and the Swamp Thing Hello, denizens of earth Twelve Eighteen. We are the hosts of Make Mine Multiversity, a twice-monthly podcast, and it is
1: I, Jake, the Taskmaster One. And I'm Elias, the Bendis One. Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the
0: careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into the X-Books of the recent-ish months, and sometimes that means figuring out which series
1: is our monthly heavyweight champion sometimes we even have lists and other times we have book clubs on Marvel series past and present coming down by good old sky Laser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday Excelsior
0: Excelsior indeed and we are back to talk about Green Lantern number two written by Jeffrey Thorne illustrated by Dexter Soy and Marco Santucci so there's a lot that happens in this issue like a, a shocking amount of stuff that happens in this issue to the general Green Lantern status quo and I'm really interested to hear what you thought about it I have I, I have my thoughts that I I think we're gonna be in relative agreement for but I want to let you start just but I'm, I'm gonna sort of do this in, in a couple of different I'm gonna ask you like specific questions about the issue So the first one is that there is a new structure to the Green Lantern Corps introduced here where essentially they're eliminating a third of the sectors and they're taking away Honor Guard and stuff like that and it's kind of making the Green Lanterns more um, I guess more uniform in in their presentation. There's not going to be hierarchy as much and It instantly sets up for me this sort of old school status quo where the Guardians are presented as just utter bastards who are kind of heartless. And for a while there's been this desire for DC to make the Guardians not such bad guys. But did I read it the same way you did where this is sort of returning the Guardians to a more antagonistic role within the Green Lantern Corps?
1: Hmm. Hmm, that's interesting. I I guess it didn't come off that way to me because by the end by the end John Stewart was like, oh hell yeah, I'm in. Right, he's he's on
0: board <laughs> at the end, yeah.
1: Right. And so like it did it did all of this was presented in a way that it it was happening fast and it was not necessarily what everybody wanted or thought they wanted. But antagonistic, I get you. You could be right, but I didn't read it that way. I read it just as kind of like them taking the reins for ends that
0: we don't necessarily know will be good or bad. Sure. I don't disagree with that. I I don't mean antagonistic in that they were doing it like to piss off the lanterns. I just feel like if you go back and you read – like older green lantern stories almost always the guardians do something that the green lanterns feel is unjust or uncalled for and the guardians do not have like a relationship with the core that where they ever really care about what the what the core says right like the, the the guardians operate without jurisdiction without compromise they are just they are the guardians damn it and that's the way it is and right. I think that in in recent years we've gotten away from that a bit and like the fact that they're so buddy buddy with John Stewart at times whatever that hasn't felt like the classic guardians to me so I guess what I'm trying to say is to me this almost felt like a reinstating of the old guardians core relationship sure
1: yeah I can, I can see that
0: for sure um Alright, so there's so much like fun DC minutiae buried in this issue. We hit, we hear terms like hypertime and the fifth world. Yeah, that was that was wild. Which is absolutely wild. We also get um, mentions of the destruction of Krypton and the destruction of Zanshi, which is again mm-hmm. like if you're if you're in a Jon Stewart comic for any period of time, you're gonna get a Zanshi mentioned that's just kind of the way it goes and that's fine like that i think that's a totally um valid thing to bring up for that character now and then um but i i continue to get the sense of this book just being far more cosmic than a lot of the Green Lantern stuff has been so far so talk about that for a second how do you feel about the sort of uh the structure of the book being more about the wider dc space stuff
1: Oh, I, I like it a lot. I, I've said this before on the show, but even the John stuff, which is which is widely widely regarded, and like while it was coming out, I was a huge fan of it. Um, even at times that felt repetitive to me, as far as like what aspects of the cosmic space stuff they were concerned with. Um, I feel like this is a lot more inclusive somehow i feel like john's was inventing a lot of new stuff right Mm -hmm. um this is a lot more inclusive as far as like placing the green lantern core into some kind of uh cosmological context or something like that um it's making it feel it's making it feel both like old school, like pre John's Green Lantern stuff. And yet also somehow like at the forefront of DC's New Frontier or whatever. Not New Frontier, but Infinite Frontier. Yeah. Um and so yeah, I dig that. I think I think what you say is true. I think Um, it's more concerned with that stuff than, than Green Lantern maybe has been recently. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. I'm, I'm, it's probably my favorite thing about this book is just the way that it feels compared to recent. It doesn't, it's not more important than like the, the Venditti stuff or whatever, but it feels more, uh, it feels more a part of a greater fabric. Somehow.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think that one of the faults at DC the last couple of decades has been just the the extent to which DC is okay ignoring so much of the so much of the universe that they've established. What I mean by that is this: and our friend August recently tweeted something similar about this, where. Like DC has, uh, if you read the history of the DC universe from background time of Crisis, there is there are stories from the creation of Earth to modern day, and a lot of that stuff is never really touched upon. The DC is relatively stingy in what pieces of its history it will um, it will dedicate page space to, and I feel like the last twenty five years or so, I would say. Uh, Let's go with 20 years from like the from 2001, somewhere in that ballpark. There has been barely any focus on the cosmic stuff outside of specific events. So we get like the Ranthanagar war, you know, over in uh, Infinite Crisis. We get little teases like that throughout DC. But there hasn't been too many ongoing books that have really dealt with the cosmic side of the DC universe this book in two issues does so much I mean we've seen a bunch of different races we've talked about a bunch of different planets we see a restructuring of the way that space is going to be handled because of the United Planets like there's there's so much done here but it doesn't feel like all that work was done through exposition and just setting up the status quo it has brought us we we've gotten it's been a really enjoyable read I said before we were going to talk about Green Lantern versus Batman and in Batman 108 there were a lot of words but it didn't always not every word led to the furthering of the plot this didn't just feel like it was furthering the plot of this issue almost everything in this issue felt like it was furthering the mission statement of the current DC status quo that's huge Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm I am so into this book right now yeah yeah it's
1: it's really good Um, do you have any concerns about I do have, do have two any... concerns I want to talk about, but... Yeah, okay. Well, why don't, why don't you... You have these questions. Why don't you go with them? Okay. And we'll see. we'll see if we touch on what I was going to mention.
0: Sure. My first question is, do you feel that there's a chance of the book being so big in scope that we're not going to spend enough time with the characters we want to spend time with here that it's stretched a little thin?
1: Yeah, I was... I, yes, and I keep thinking like we we had mentioned in the past about like oh they've got to they've got to announce another like Green Lantern or a, or a Green Lantern adjacent book uh, to correspond with this and I I think I mean it really feels like eventually they they do have to do that but I'm not confident that they will um, but there is so much here that to expect this book to encompass all of it is kind of wild i mean i i would be open to one oversized green lantern title that just packs itself every month with with what we've been getting so far you know and i feel like that would be that would be like the optimal version of this but i cannot imagine this book going on at clipping at this pace focusing on all of this stuff and not not dialing down a little tighter and then missing out on, on some things that we want to see. Um,
0: I mean, I, I believe that, that it's said that there will be Kyle, Kyle, Hal, and Jessica are all going to be off planet, like doing their own thing. Yeah, on C- Crux Worlds. On Crux Worlds, okay. of which there were seven. Now there are five because of the destruction of Krypton and Zanshi. Uh, yep. We know that Guy has a different role that we're not really aware of yet. Um, we know that John is leading this quest team out to the basically the unknown regions from Star Wars, um, and you know it, it just seems like I don't know how we're going to tell all those stories, right? Or at least how we're going to tell them in a in a way that's satisfactory in any in any sense. Yeah. So, yeah, and 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 maybe we're not and, and they'll
1: pick some to focus on and we'll be really thrilled about it. But but I just this book is so good right now. I, I hate even this is we shouldn't even be thinking like what pessimists are we to be like <laughs> they can't stay this good. There's no way, you know, we have to find right. We have to try to find holes in it. But but I, I am thinking about it as I'm reading it. I'm thinking like, oh, man, there's there's no way they keep this up. It's, it's too good.
0: <laughs> so the issue ends on um, this, like, basically the power battery explodes, it appears, on Oa. And Joe Mullen shows up from uh, Far Sector. And she finds Kelly, the uh, Teen Lantern and it appears that either Simon is dead or Simon's ring was destroyed, and that's why it's saying there are no Green Lanterns found in in the vicinity. How did you take that scene? Well, I think I I took it as
1: Simon is comic book dead. Okay. <laughs> meaning, meaning, like... This is going to be the. This is going to. We thought this was. I thought this was going to be Hal Jordan. Not in. The, not in this issue, but you know, we talked about before. Right. Right. Before uh, Infinite Frontier. Um, instead, it was Simon, and um, and I, I. He won't be dead, dead, but he'll be comic book dead. He'll be off the table for a little bit, and and I guess that is part of what feeds into my fear that, you know, they had all these great characters kind of in their own in their own roles and feeling comfortable in their skin for a bit and and they blow that up with Simon right away. I will I mean we'll see. He could turn out to be just totally fine and he just lost his ring or whatever like you said, but there's certainly it it's certainly being set up as
0: there's too many earth lanterns and one of them had to die. Right. Um I wouldn't be sad if Simon was not a lantern for a while, but maybe had a different role. Like one of the things that I think that other comics should look to is how good the Bat books have been over the last couple years at never really killing their characters, but giving them new places to hang out. Like even just something like Barbara Gordon, right? How right now she's back to being Oracle, but it's not because there was a, it's not because her back was broken again. It's not because she was, you know. Um, wounded in action. It's because she just, you know, there's an in-story reason that makes sense for why she's Oracle again. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think you have to kill characters, take them off the table. You know, right? Um, but th- there are so many questions I have going forward in this book. Um, so the the fear that I that I was mentioning was the fear was that they had killed off Simon for kind of no reason, and the fear that there was going to be not enough time and space to tell these stories. What was your fear you wanted to talk about with this issue? It was this it was the Simon
1: thing. Okay. It, it was the it was the the idea that they feel like they have too much too much stuff here and so they're gonna try to remove some of it through killing or, or whatever, you know mm-hmm. just to clear the deck a little bit. And I feel like I feel like you you, you run the risk of overusing that trope. And I think, you know, it's too early to tell. Like we said, like there's a dozen different ways this could turn out.
0: It's a classic and
1: comma cliffhanger at this point, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Which is great. Um, I, they could easily find a very interesting thing to do coming out of this. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I worry it's just a, a, a death that would be convenient for editorial or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I wonder about a lot of these these deaths from D, with the DC do. Sometimes they are done to, <laughs> I, I, that was the dumbest set as I ever said, deaths that DC do. I think sometimes <sighs> these things are done because they feel like you have to draw a line on the sand and say, this is how things are now on this other side, right? There's, there used to be seven Earth Green Lanterns. Isn't that what they said in the book? There were seven of them? I want to say that's one of the guardians said like why isn't it yeah, odd to you that seven that seven which would be Hal John Kyle Guy Simon Jessica is Joe America Earth Earth based she's far sector based but was she born on Earth mm, I don't know I don't think so I don't think they oh mean um, I
1: don't no know. uh uh Ken Laminsky.
0: It's not his name. <laughs> what was his name? Frank Leminski? Frank Leminski, yes. yes. <laughs> Who's Ken Leminski then? I have no idea.
1: Oh, my insurance guy. Never mind. I was going to say somebody
0: you went to high school with probably. Yeah. yeah. Like, every, yep. Everybody in Wisconsin's last name is Leminski. That's right, including mine. Yes. It's Vince, Vince Leminski. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, this book also looked great. I loved the um, – the like black funeral garb that the Lanterns are wearing. This is the second issue in a row where the Lanterns have an accessorized outfit that I liked. Last time it was the Krypton based one that, that John was wearing and now it's the sort of black funeral Paul one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: <laughs> Dexter Soy's doing good work here. Marco yeah. Santucci's art was not... He, he, he obviously helped out in some sections but it didn't feel like too different from what... um from what was being done with soy, you know, so it, it it fit in well. Yeah. Anything else to say about this issue? No, I,
1: I I really like this book. It's man, it's 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 a joy to have a green lantern book that feels all encompassing like this one does. Um, finally.
0: Yes. That said, I do want a second book. Oh yeah, oh I, yeah. I, don't I even, cannot wait till they're overdoing it. They're yeah, I, I don't ashamed. even. I, I, don't, I don't even care what the other, which character the other book is focused on or characters. Yeah. You know, you could do a Green Lantern Crux World's book, sure, whatever. Anyway, up next is Suicide Squad number three, written by Robbie Thompson, illustrated by Eduardo Pensica Um, I don't have a ton to say about this. I, I want to say that. I would say three things. First of all, they're really trying to make peacemaker, uh, peace, yeah, peacemaker. I am mm-hmm. just fucking up all these names tonight. They really want to make peacemaker look like John Cena. I guess yeah. It's very clear they're going for the John Cena look here, and that's I get that. It's fine. Number two, I'm glad that they are making it so that something is up with Connor. It doesn't make sense for Connor to be a part of this team, really. And so by having it that it's, you know, he's being controlled in some way or whatever, that's that's good storytelling. That I like that. And um, I'm surprised how quickly this and Teen Titans Academy are doing a full on crossover. Like I knew that there was going to be elements from the way Teen Titans Academy last week ended, you knew there was gonna be something about that from here. But this is going on till next month in Teen Titans Academy. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised they're going the full crossover here. Um, I know I have been slightly higher on this book than you have been. Um, what, did, uh, what did you think of this issue?
1: Um, this – I mean it was fine. It was not bad in the way that like some New 52 books were objectively bad. Uh, the crossover thing reminds me of how, like, the the young books crossed over immediately in the new Fifty Two, like the Lubdell books. Yeah. Um, the Culling. Yeah, the Culling. Big, big Culling vibes. Even though, like, this is way better than saying, that stuff. Even though this is infinitely better than this stuff. Yeah. The the Teen Titans book in particular is infinitely better, and and this book is certainly better than than those books were. But I will say. That I think I said this with the second issue, but it's this is by far the most the most ordinary uh, kind of DC house book that they're putting out right now. I think in Infinite Frontier, meaning that like it just looks standard, it f- feels and sounds and and rubs off on the reader in a very like this could have been published in the New Fifty Two. It would have it would have been it would have been probably in the middle to upper half of the new 52 sure like the low upper half maybe or something like that but it, it would have fit squarely in there it would fit right in with rebirth you know it's not it's not doing anything differently it's trying really hard to sync up with dc with warner brothers media properties um It's it's just fine. Like it looks fine. I I feel like Panseca's I feel like we've been looking at this kind of Panseca art for like a decade now. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong like there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not it's not trying anything outside the lines. Um Yeah, it's just it's just fine. Um and I think I, I I actually think when it crosses over into Teen Titans, it is going to elevate it a little bit because I like I like having Red X in here. I like I I'm automatically associating like Teen Titans storylines with good good vibes, and so like if those good vibes get sprinkled into Suicide Squad, it, it's giving me a re- reason to read it. But um, I think on its own, it's just not doing anything out of the ordinary
0: yeah i'll i'll agree with that um i think that the issue i think that the team is interesting we're gonna say this every week every month rather with suicide squad we were spoiled by tom taylor's suicide squad i think if this had come in front of that book we'd feel better about this one uh not 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 terribly better but when you have the best it's hard to go back to the rest right yeah um but also, I think that this team is is interesting. There's a lot of new characters. There's a couple of old characters thrown in there. I, I do appreciate the team they're putting together. And I think this will wind up being a more interesting Suicide Squad than we got outside of those, like, three Alishcott issues, mm-hmm. probably since the New 52, if you take Taylor's run out of the contention, right? Um I do think it's good to have Red X here. I, I also think that both of these books, Teen Titans Academy and Suicide Squad, and I might have said this last time, they run the risk of being a little bit insular and a little bit not connected to the outside DC universe too much. So having them cross over is a nice reminder that we're all playing in the same sandbox here. Yeah. but
1: Yeah, there's a lot of that this week that I really appreciate.
0: Yes, agreed. Um. That's really all I have to say about that. I don't have a ton to say about Suicide Squad in general right now. Um, but, yeah. I'm sure we'll have lots to say about The Suicide Squad in theaters this August.
1: <laughs> if I ever see it.
0: Do you have HBO Max? Of course I do. I it's for free on there.
1: I, that, yeah, it's, my time is not free.
0: And to be fair, I, I will, I have I will not never watched... get back the Justice the, <laughs>
1: the Snyder Cut? Zack
0: Snyder's Justice League time that I spent. I meant to watch both um, Judas and the Black Messiah and uh, Kong versus Godzilla Mm -hmm. and forgot about both of them enough to now they're off the surface. So, yeah. Oops. Oops. Um, And if you would have watched them, Brian, you would have
1: forgotten about them as well.
0: um, I heard Judas and the Black Messiah was pretty good. (laughs)
1: Okay. Oh, I thought you said Mortal Kombat. No, Mortal uh... Kombat's
0: still on there. I haven't watched that yet. I watch. I actually watch that. Mortal Kombat.
1: It's, yeah, it's it's you know it's it's seventy five percent a good hang.
0: Okay. Okay. And there's a quarter of it that you could just cut and not feel anything about. See, this is this is when COVID hurts because I, I have like two or three friends who we could have a fun night of like ordering a pizza and watching Mortal Kombat together, <laughs> but we're not quite there yet, you know. So. Uh,
1: yeah. Someday. someday. When Mortal Kombat Two comes out.
0: <laughs> yes. Did you see there? There was an interview going around with the guy who screams Mortal Kombat in the video game. Yeah,
1: yeah. The interview was like, uh, "Would you do it for me?"
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, I feel like that's something uh, David Letterman would have done. Like, have this guy on and then just ask him to do the voice. Would you Would you do the voice yeah. for me?
0: What What would the What would the uh, the CBS orchestra play after that if they couldn't play the Mortal Kombat theme?
1: Ah. Uh, they would play.
0: I got it. I want okay. to hear you. To see, I have. I have mine. What would they play?
1: <sighs> I I'm 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 at a loss. You just lay it on me. Kung fu fighting. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. one
0: hundred percent kung fu fighting.
1: <laughs> they will. Yeah, it would have to be low, something very lowbrow and yeah. and obvious and yeah. Exactly. You're right.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's get to our final book of the week: the Swamp Thing number three. Written by Rom V, illustrated by Mike Perkins. I am loving the Swamp Thing right now. I thought this issue was really, really good. I thought there was some really inventive use of lettering, like when they when he's talking to Ivy, not poison Ivy, just that like Ivy character. Mm-hmm. Her her speech was like stretched out like a one tequila, two tequila, three tequila. Floor T-shirt, you know what I mean? It was like uh, just like. <laughs> Just, just sli- slightly blurry and stretched out. Like it was, it was a, it was a really interesting look to the book. I really into- it, 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 it sort of discombobulated the reader in a really useful and good way. I liked all the stuff. Like this issue brings in so much. Again, like we talked about, the Green Lantern issue bringing in so much DC lore. This has Woodrue. This has Alec Holland. This has poison ivy. Like this has everything. This really brings so much of like the DC green stuff to a head. It mentions the red for the first time in a long time. I'm really enjoying this. Mike Perkins art has never looked as good as it does in this title. Um, I'm not even a huge swamp thing guy like on principle, but this is this is this is my shit. What did you think of this?
1: Yeah, I like. Lo- I mean, you know me. I've been I've been liking this, but not like in love with it. But this this was the best issue yet, I think. I, and I think it's because I think it's because the 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 heart of the concept has finally revealed itself. You know. Um. Also, its place in the greater DCU has kind of revealed itself too, with the Ivy. Um with the ivy characters the 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 like drunk ivy that you were talking about or the Mm -hmm. the high weed weed lord ivy or whatever, (laughs) and then uh queen queen ivy which we saw i believe it was in the joker war special (laughs) which what a crazy place like (laughs) to show up
0: again yeah
1: (laughs) yeah this semi-prestige or prestige, prestige adjacent Swamp Thing book is, you know, has something that's spinning out of the Joker Warzone special. <laughs> now that's wild to me.
0: Was Queen? I, I Refresh my memory. Was Queen Ivy? Was that poison ivy? It was.
1: It was. Remember how po? I'm probably going to get this wrong, and and like the Ivy Squad online is going to yell at me or something. But remember how Ivy in the like Harley Quinn and Ivy a miniseries like split into two. And then there was like the suggestion that one of the Ivies was like maybe more sinister or yes. yes. Yeah. And then I think that that was meant to kind of go into the Joker war zone special. And in there she kind of revealed herself again as like that be- becoming the eco terrorist Ivy again. Right. And calling herself queen Ivy. Um, And I and I believe this is meant to be like the direct continuation of that. Um, Again, that's wild. Yeah, right, right. And then the thing that really, uh, first of all, yeah, the Mike Perkins art is great. I loved the page where they were showing you the MRI scan. Yes. And they're going through the the brain and then all of a sudden the brain like turns into this like spindly viney plant thing as she's looking at it. Um, Really great visual stuff there. Really great swampy visual stuff in general uh, from Mike Perkins. Um, And then the kicker is the Alec Holland reveal at the end, which I feel like, I feel two ways about it, but I feel mostly positive. I also, I, I feel on the one hand, like, you didn't really need him. I feel like that's, it's almost kind of a way to just, like, hook in, fans who are not down for something else. You know what I mean? Right. But on the other hand, it's absolutely got like the star Wars, the force awakens vibes where, uh, okay, we're following this new character who ostensibly has no link to the old characters other than the swamp thing possession. And then oh, Alec Holland shows up at the end as like the de facto, like Luke. Skywalker or whatever to kind of guide Levi into the new new world that he's in or whatever, you know? Right. And I guess I'm a sucker for that because I feel like that's a good role for Alec Holland, and I also feel like that's something that I've wanted in general for – like what if all of these comics were just like trying to do the – I mean the, the new Star Trek movies are not not great but what if they're trying to do that thing where like the new Star Trek or the new Star Wars where like the old characters are all they're all back but they're old and they're guiding this new you know I don't mind a little bit of that sprinkled throughout the the DCU if it means we get a bunch of these new characters or new versions of characters and then the old characters are hanging around playing a role that's kind of Tangential. I like that
0: idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's that's legacy, baby. Yeah. You know, that's good. I, I think that all of this works. I think that even having Alec Holland show up well, I agree. I don't think that the book necessarily needs that. I think that there is always going to be that sort of comic pedant who I can fall into that category. I think we all count on the show every oh, now and yeah. then. For Where, sure. like, you want to know, well, last time I saw a Swamp Thing, it was Alec Holland. What happened? Right? Like, we <laughs> we need explanation for this stuff. And so I think that having that is going to be a good thing. And I also think that, like we were saying before with Simon Baz, like, there's not a... Re- you don't have to kill Alec Holland or write him off to, to give space someplace else. If you can have that character still involved somehow, why not? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, th- th- this was good. This was a fun issue. Um I can't believe how good this line still is, you know, in our thir- entering into its third month. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Vincey, what's coming out next week? Uh well, we have uh Batman the
1: Detective number 2. We've got Batman Urban Legends number 3. We've got the DC Festival of Heroes, the Asian Superhero Celebration one shot. We've got Future State Gotham number one. Ooh. We've got Justice League Last Ride number one. Uh, Superman number 31, The Joker number three, and Wonder Woman number 772.
0: That's a big week.
1: It's a big week.
0: Well, if you can get in touch with us, two thirds of us are on Twitter. I am at Brian Zinab. Zach is at Walker Fox. Feel free to wish him well on his paternity leave if you need to find vince he is trying to he, he's lobbying the office of roger goodell right now because he wants the <laughs> salary Lord. cap on the on the packers to be raised considerably to make certain things happen <laughs> am i Kiss wrong my ass.
1: am i wrong get out of it. get out of town i don't want to talk about this all right what's you... what's what's football <laughs> what, who's Roger Goodell?
0: A bad, bad man That's who <laughs> Roger Goodell is <laughs>
1: oh, man. Can you imagine the things he's done
0: And seen He might be the worst Of all the executives In professional sports in the United States And that's saying a lot <laughs> So We'll see. Mm. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Roger Goodell. We're going to talk about DC Comics, and we'll talk to about that next week. Take care. <laughs> you make How it sound like, a song, it's like David Letterman. Hey, 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 Paul, you hear about the wasps in my house? <laughs> yeah. Kevin, you, yeah. You, hear about the, you hear about the wasps?